Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Even the Score podcast, a podcast about movies, TV shows, and video games, specifically about the wonderful music and scores that do occupy those three mediums. I am, of course, Don, and I am once again joined by my co-host, Anthony and Jason. Hello again to you both. Oh, hello. Thanks. Um, you know, hey, 2021. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> It is officially 2021. Less We have survived 2020 relatively unscathed. The floor is covered with streamers. The ball has dropped and shattered. We had to kick at the darkness until it bled daylight. We are finally here. Hopefully, the bar has been set so, so low that 2021 can only go up from here. But... What we decided to do was entitle this episode Out With The Old and In With The New, and we wanted to take this opportunity to take a look back at 2020 and talk about the things that we consumed, whether it was the limited few movies that were released throughout the year, uh, whether it was TV shows, which seemed to be just rampant throughout the the entire uh, year there. Or maybe it was a video game or just some music that we consumed. We wanted to talk about the things that really did shine through from 2020. Because, of course, 2020 was extremely hard for all of us. Um, We made it through um, as best as we could. I am hoping that our listeners did have a successful 2020 and are enjoying their their time already in 2021 a lot better. Hopefully, you are all doing uh, as well as you can. Uh, But we did want to leave 2020 with a little bit of positivity. And we wanted to talk about the things that really did shine shine from that year so i think what i'll do is i'll pass it over to jason first jason why don't you go ahead and tell us about uh what were the things in 2020 that uh, stuck out for you in a really positive way so the very first thing on my list is something i'm super excited to talk about um earlier this year or earlier in 2020 I got a, a, tw- a tweet from OK player talking about the fact that the cowboy bebop soundtrack would be re- uh, released on vinyl I don't know if this is the first time that it was released on final, but it was definitely something that caught my attention immediately. I was like, oh my God, I got to have that. So I followed the link, saw this, uh, the company that was doing the, the release and was like, all right, I'm definitely going to pre-order this. Then, you know, 2020 being what it is, I kind of lost sight of when the date was to, to start pre-ordering. So I didn't. And I was like, oh God, no. So then I went back to my Twitter feed, found the link that I like, you know, liked and retweeted and all that stuff and went back to the company's site and uh, their pre-order and all that stuff wasn't available anymore. I was like, oh crap. So, you know, I mean, I did the very next thing that occurred to me and I, I bounced on Amazon and I uh, saw that it was available there and actually that they were taking pre-orders. And I was like, all right, I'm doing this in this very moment. And although it wasn't actually uh, expected to arrive until a little later into uh, December, it actually came sooner than was initially projected. And I was so ecstatic about that. Uh, So when I got it, you know, I mean, I I plopped it on, you know, again, not a totally, you know, like I don't have tens of thousands of dollars to invest in my uh, stereo downstairs, but it was, you know, I had my little setup and it's probably fancier than many. And I put it on and I was just like, really just blown away by, you know, even when watching Cowboy Bebop, all 20, I think 25 episodes of it, you know, I appreciated the music and I, I, I would say I appreciated the music in this probably more than almost anything else I watched, except for maybe uh, some older anime that I didn't even realize was anime at the time. It like, it's, it's the sort of music that when you hear it, it really, for me, it triggers so many memories. Um, it's almost like how they say uh, scent is like tied to memory and can make you recall things. This soundtrack was definitely like that for me because I, in my mind, even though I'm not sure I totally pieced the music to the right part of like the episodes, I was remembering like parts of the episodes that were like really like stand out and just sort of brilliant to me. And then th- what followed from that was like, oh God, I got to watch that again. Two, one, it's jam. There was just such like a, a great bounce and everything to it. And hearing that again, just sort of made me all like giddy. You know, another a track on that soundtrack that people recall if they're familiar with it is, and it's kind of aptly titled Memories. Um, it's this song that tended to play in some of the more serious parts of the series. And, um, you know, hearing that again 
on like, you know, proper stereo equipment just sort of really gave me goosebumps. Um, so all that to say that that soundtrack is great. You know, I, you can't pre-order it anymore, but if you have an opportunity to get it, I would say grab it. It's such a brilliant, brilliant set of music that sort of, it's not just jazz. I mean, there's a lot of jazz on it, but you know, there's a lot of other sounds that are sort of really hard to place, but it's all really brilliant. So that was one of the first things that made me excited uh, last year. Another thing that uh, stood out for me, and I think Don, you're going to talk about this a little bit later, uh, so I won't go into too much detail, but I was, you know, like, I kind of resisted playing Animal Crossing for all the years that it had been out. I think, I don't know, it may have been like GameCube or uh, I think it was GameCube when it first came out. It, it just didn't seem like the sort of game I'd want to play. And then, you know, here comes 2020. And like many other people that gravitated and bought it up in droves, it provided sort of the perfect escape. Like, you know, it was an environment that you could sort of fully control, unlike everything that was going on last year. And, you know, for me, once I got into the game and sort of discovered joys of things like villager hunting, one thing that became readily apparent is just sort of how beautiful the music was uh, at 5 a.m. Because from, you know, like, I still had to work. I'm still working from home. And for the most part, you know, those streams didn't cross. But waking up kind of a little early to do something before I actually had to start getting ready for work, it was a really pleasant experience because that music at 5 a.m. just sort of greets you and it's like, yeah, okay, this is peaceful and I'm not even going to disturb my wife in the process of having the sound up a little bit. You know, so that was definitely something I appreciated about 2020. And, you know, also a, a nod to the fact that there was such a broad catalog even within the game. I mean, collecting KK music was a thing that I actually threw myself into. And all the different songs are really clever in their own way. I mean, I have some I like a lot more than others, but, you know, that, again, just really great stuff. The next thing I would say that really uh, stood out about 2020 was kind of a full circle moment uh, for me. You know, when I first moved out from home, I was like 18. I was living in this little crappy garden studio apartment. Um, I had this really, you know, what people would consider a vintage stereo now, and I'm sure would pay quite a lot of money to have. Um, but at the time it was kind of crap, but I mean, it, it did its job. Um, and, you know, I actually bought my very first CD before I had a CD player. Um, and that CD, oddly enough, of all things, was uh, Murder Was The Case. It didn't come out last year or anything, but that's happened to be when I picked it up, or actually my wife got it for me. And it was just really pleasant to hear, again, on a proper setup, just all those songs that were so nostalgic, so very mid-90s for me. I mean, you know, if you appreciate West Coast hip hop at the time, it was really, really great. There's, you know, a song I was especially uh, glad to hear in a grown up uh, setup was um, What Would You Do? I mean, by the Dog Pound. It just, I don't, it, it's just very of the time. And I'm glad that I actually have that uh, in my collection now. And I'll, I'll wrap up with uh, a nod to a game that I never really thought I would play. Um, but then again, 2020 was sort of the year of sort of stepping out of uh, my comfort zone in a lot of different ways. And I picked up this game from the uh, Nintendo e-console uh, called West of Loathing. And it's this really quirky uh, game, you know, all in black and white. You play as like the stick figure dude in like sort of this Wild West scenario 
And the music that goes along with it was just really fun. So that whole experience for just a, uh, you know, a few dollars or whatever was something I really enjoyed about 2020 and sort of along with some of the other the games that I played. The, the music along with it just made the experience that much better. One of my favorite things from the creation of this podcast has been to to get on a text chain with you guys. And when the Cowboy Bebop final showed up for for Jason, getting a picture sent of just how excited he was to to receive it, it, it was just so enjoyable. And it's it's really lovely that there were some of those positive elements within within 2020. And and I will I will talk about um, Animal Crossing here as well, Jason. So yeah, that's how how Jason and I met was through Animal Crossing, and I was definitely. Definitely, I'm on the the opposite side when it comes to Animal Crossing with uh, than Jason is. I I was indoctrinated to that uh, franchise a long time ago, and I knew as soon as that was announced for the Switch that it would be a a day one purchase. I I tend to to not pick up things day one because of patches or issues with the game. I'll give myself a long period of time, or even with with uh, consoles, I'll give myself a year or even more to to wait um, so that things get ironed out. The price comes down. But for Animal Crossing, I knew that was going to be day one. I was going to pick that up as as soon as I could, and it was absolutely the distraction that all of us who played the game needed throughout this year. It should be game of the year not only just for the game itself, which is it it has popularized and made fun chores and standard island living, but for what it did for for people around the globe during the crazy pandemic year that we've just experienced, it it definitely does deserve the honors that everyone and anyone should be throwing at it. Uh, There's another podcast called The Besties where they talk about video games, and I think one of the hosts there, Justin McElroy, absolutely... um, talked about how Animal Crossing should be the game of the year, if not the decade, and and just how it's helped everybody. The music is amazing in that game. As Jason mentioned, like the 5 a.m. theme is is fantastic. But the reason he said there's a, a 5 a.m. theme for anybody who's not familiar in our listener base is that every hour has a different theme that plays on repeat throughout that entire hour. Once the, the clock switches over to the next hour, the chimes will go in the clock tower or if you have a clock in your house and then you get a new song. And that will also change dependent on weather. Um, if it rains, you also get a variation on that specific hourly theme which also adjusts based on the rain so it, it's impressive what the the creators have done with with that game and getting those small details really well done and the music that really does blend into the background extremely well as you as you play but it's it's also still very much necessary when it comes to each and every hour that you're you're playing Some additional things that really helped me through 2020, um, one specifically, I think we were all really needing, I believe it was now back in May, the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, was announced, uh, and it was going to be released, I believe, sometime in 2021 early on, if not later into 2020. And when the pandemic hit, there was this clamor for, we need this documentary now. And of course, knowing that it was going to be 10 parts, and we had nothing to consume at that point because everything had been shut down and there was no productions going on we needed something to to get us through and i believe espn really rushed through uh, post-production and got the editing done but they released it and it was absolutely what we needed at the time and i think the the ratings for that documentary series are through the roof and of course, they've already experienced something, some success in this way with the OJ documentary that they did uh, in uh, previous two years now in 2019. And uh, I think it's become their staple. Obviously, the ASPN 30 for 30s are fantastic, but this more long form uh, documentary series was was absolutely what everyone needed uh, in 2020. And for that, obviously, keeping in, in the theme of the podcast, the music for that, it was this great mix of what was popular in at the time in popular music. 
uh, what was popular in Chicago and in the States. But also there was this really great score that highlighted the entire documentary. And even from the main title, there was just this intensity that I think Jordan brought to his playing uh, that everyone around him experienced. And even in the documentary, we hear about how, how hard he was on teammates and how he would go after people if he felt that they weren't pulling their weight the same way that he was and they didn't come to win. And I mean, win he did. go six for six in finals and to just be as successful as he was I mean you needed to have a score that demonstrated the intensity and the power and the presence that he was on the court uh, both on and off the court and I think the the score definitely did that for for the last dance one of the other things I really enjoyed in 2020 is the Netflix show The Queen's Gambit. Um, for those who who haven't caught it yet, I really recommend that you do. It's about chess, which you don't think is a thrilling subject matter. But what really caught me in regards to The Queen's Gambit is it's of a genre that I really seem to lend myself to, and it's tortured geniuses and how they're utilized in, in media. And one of the things that I found in regards to the score of The Queen's Gambit is that there was almost almost this thing that I've been calling the genius moment that mir that is mirrored in things like a beautiful minds score by James Hormer. It is, uh, it is this moment where you realize that the person that you're, you're watching is brilliant and the music kind of builds to it. There's this great sort of piano bit in the Queen's Gambit as that's kind of mirrored in a beautiful mind score and it builds and builds and builds until it kind of hits this crescendo and then stops and there's almost nothing playing underneath and then you re it kind of helps the audience realize, okay, not only are you realizing their brilliance, but they are realizing their brilliance as well. And this is the moment where they're going to start capitalizing and using it to their benefit. And of course, what's similar between the Queen's Gambit and A Beautiful Mind is that we are dealing with individuals who are brilliant, but also flawed and tortured as well. She's gone through a lot in her life, orphaned uh, due to a car crash and then thrown in this orphanage. And um, she is drugged, essentially. She is um, high on pills for much of the early part of that show. And that's how kind of she allows herself to be great at chess. While she's great, she still also utilizes medication to have to help her through the the anxiety and the the, the difficulties with with her brilliance. So, um, the Queen's Gambit is amazing. Obviously, very period focused. I believe it's fifties um, uh, or early sixties, and it looks great. It sounds fantastic. It's a great subject matter. Strong female lead. I mean, she is amazing in that role, and I really do highly recommend people go ahead and watch it. The final thing. I will close with, uh, in regards to looking back at 2020, the things that really stood out uh, for me was the Final Fantasy VII remake. Final Fantasy VII was that pivotal Japanese uh, RPG, and it was iconic at the time, very, very rudimentary when in comparison to today's graphics. But to see this game remade and to have all of the same score elements um, remastered and remade and just perfected to like no one's business. It was unbelievable what they did with with that score. And when we think about something like a, a, a an RPG, we are talking about repetitious sound cues that go on and on and on, similar to what uh, what Jason and I talked about in regards to to Animal Crossing. You're hearing this music constantly, so it needs to be something that you could listen to over and over. And I think they did a really fantastic job with that. Even the battle score is is amazing, both the standard battle as well as the the boss battle. Um, what they did with just wandering around the world map is brilliant. The the flashback moments, uh, they they just hit every single note correctly when it comes to the score of this game. And of course, the remake looked fantastic. It was uh, there were some different story elements. There was some uh, a very different battle system that people were a little bit um, uh, cautious about or or 
railed against, but I think everything really came together extremely well in the Final Fantasy VII Remake. And while I do not have a, a Sony product or a console at my disposal, I've been watching uh, Let's Plays similar to what Anthony mentioned in our first episode about uh, Mega Man 2 replays or Let's Plays and just kind of putting that on and listening to things. I did the exact same thing with, with FF7 Remake. It was so so much of a nostalgic hit for me that I, I could just enjoy watching somebody play it as opposed to me play it and be completely fine with it. I'm not itching to, to get a console just to play that that single game because somebody has has allowed me to do that through the the, the beauty of YouTube and my own eyes and ears. hoping for um, even more experiences coming into to 2021. But before we get to that, Anthony, how about yourself? How did 2020 look for you? And were there any highlights that you wanted to bring up? Uh, sure. How do you sum up a year like 2020? It was such a, a pivotal year, but also such a shitty year. Um, and uh, I think some of the uh, it, some of the things that you guys have talked about um, are really d- leading to me to believe that 2020 was a year where people tended to find a lot of their personal favorites in odd places that they might not have originally looked for it. And so I know for me, um, a lot of the things that I engaged with this were year um, were one on a comfort level just because of the stressful nature of the year and the pandemic and just everything that was going on there was a certain amount of comfort I was looking for and then I found as the year went on there was a lot more um I don't want to say like exploration of new things but kind of a, a readiness to accept new things so I found for me in the beginning of the pandemic I actually ended up watching a lot of old things that brought me comfort uh I almost didn't have the energy mental energy to kind of like experience something new but when i did one of the first things that kind of i gravitated toward was the mandalorian one of the reasons being is uh, a friend of mine uh casey had suggested that battlefront 2 was on sale and uh i downloaded it and it has the multiplayer option so we were playing some star wars battles and i was like oh crap i forgot how good star wars can be um, because it's, it's been a long time since anybody has been able to say that. Uh, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm a decent. I'm a I'm a big Star Wars fan that uh, has waned over the years because of the new trilogy. Like that last movie, just we could do an entire episode about how angry I am at that movie. But uh, the Mandalorian. Once I kind of shook off the pandemic blues and kind of got myself out of it, I discovered the Mandalorian, and I'm still actually watching it. I've only uh, uh, finished the first season. And uh, I know it came out in 2019, so I'm talking about a show in 2020. Actually, technically, The Mandalorian came out in December of 2019, so it bled into 2020. So that's why I'm okay to include it. But I really found it to be my favorite Star Wars property, like, since, I would say, even Rogue One and even Return of the Jedi. So, like, uh, when I found The Mandalorian, one of the first things that kind of got me perked up was the theme song. Uh, and it's just a simple, like, doon, 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 doon. like, it's just a so simple, like, beat, but it's really, really good. And then as I was doing a little bit more research, I realized it was Ludwig Goranson, who I loved from Community Days. And I, I, like, Community is probably one of my favorite sitcoms ever. It's etched in my brain. I really, really love and respect it. And I didn't realize that he was doing the music. Like, I loved his music then. And um, even into Black Panther, he's done some really interesting stuff that I was really happy to see him in the Star Wars universe. And I think he brought such a, a needed jolt of memorable music. Like, I realized, especially as I was watching The Mandalorian, that I like John Williams' scores, but I wouldn't necessarily consider him my, like, number one. Because I find he is so popular that he's just on everything. So, again, within the Star Wars universe, I'm looking for things that are outside of what they've already done. 
So don't give me another John Williams Star Wars score because I've heard that literally nine times. And I'm not saying that all are they're all bad or they're all good, but the fact that Ludwig Gordonson can come into the Star Wars universe and create such an iconic theme, I had to give him huge props because that's that's a tough gig. Like I don't know. I've been really... It's been in stuck in my head. I'm looking for the soundtrack on vinyl. So I know that I'm really getting into it, and I'm really excited to see what the second season holds. Um, even, again, as we're in 2021, technically the show <laughs> finished in 2020, so I'm a little behind on that. Another big favorite of mine that, uh, again, I didn't realize I was listening to until I kind of went back and realized, and it kind of reflected on how much I've been engaging with it, was the Birds of Prey soundtrack. Uh, or better yet, known as Birds of Prey, The Emancipation of Harley Quinn, of Miss Harley Quinn, um, which was one of the last movies I saw in theaters in 2020. Um, I ended up getting tickets to, like, free tickets to a special screening, and it was, like, February, mid to late February of last year, and, uh, so I got to see the Birds of Prey movie before it came out, and I was blown away about how much I love the movie, uh, and a lot of that was based on the music. Um, the movie not only has such a interesting story about Harley Quinn, moving on from her relationship with Joker in such a positive way that I've never seen it. It's uh, the opposite of a rom-com. The concept that a woman is only defined by her relationship to a man. And even though that tr uh, kind of storyline is still there, I think what this one does so brilliantly is that the Joker's not really even in it. So even though her relationship to the Joker is the the catalyst for what's going on it moves into a women helping women movie and uh i that is one of my favorite genres of movies <laughs> when women help women in movies uh it's such a positive and engaging storyline for me so many times you won't often realize you're watching a movie where the female characters aren't allowed to get along or they're they're kind of clashing um and so to watch a movie particularly an action movie that has all of these characters moving around, um, the choices that the director, Kathy Yan, made with regards to the action and the music are just phenomenal. Like, I think she just nailed it. And the soundtrack is just full of what music, what female artists are right now. In 2020, I would say if there was any album that kind of represented um, music, popular music, particularly popular music, female artists, I would say it's the Birds of Prey. You have like Doja Cat, Megan Thee Stallion, Halsey, Sophie Tucker, like, uh, uh, so all of these kind of like bigger names, but then you also have like Sweetie, who is like probably one of the biggest kind of rap under, she's just on the brink of breaking through. So you just have all these like popular artists. Um, but then one of the standout tracks for me on the album was a cover of It's a Man's World. by Journey Smollett, who has kind of been a, a surprise underdog for me for this year. Um, and it was really fun to discover that uh, Journey Smollett, who plays Canary, Black Canary in the movie, actually got her start in sitcoms. And once I realized who she was, I, I was uh, uh, excited to go back and kind of rediscover her career because I know Journey Smollett from Full House. She was Michelle Tanner's like best friend and she was featured in a couple episodes and I did like as soon as I made that connection I I was first of all blown away but then I was like oh my god she's a child star like I thought that you know 2020 was this year that Journey Smollett kind of just showed up on this the scene uh she was in Lovecraft County she was in um the Twilight Zone but even before that she was like in a lot of things and so for her to kind of be in Birds of Prey and me not even realize who she was until after, I felt kind of bad, but that 
cover she does of It's a Man's World on that soundtrack is so good. Uh, it's probably one of my top listened to songs of the year. Uh, yeah, and then one of the biggest soundtracks that I listened to this year kind of had an impact on me as well was from this movie called His House. And it's a British Netflix horror movie. Um, and it's about, it's a British horror movie about the refugee experience. And I know that sounds really odd that you're just kind of like, oh, I don't, yes, a refugee experience would be kind of horrific, but to make a horror movie out of it, you're just kind of like, what is, uh, and my partner, Salem recommended this movie to me. Uh, and he himself, uh, is a refugee from Syria. So, uh, he has shared points of his life with me, um, and I know about the refugee experience, but this movie, again, called His House on Netflix, I can't highly recommend it enough, was probably, it was the best movie I've seen all year. And it, because it takes drama of a real life situation, uh, particularly a refugee experience, and turns that into the, uh, a a story that is symbolic but revealing and I, I I'm noticing this trend in horror right now where you're starting to get um, different types of stories that are based in drama more based in reality so instead of having you know supernatural entities be the evil being I'm starting to see a lot more um, stories and horror movies being told with a certain sense of reality and a certain sense of groundedness. And his horror, I really think, just is the pinnacle of that. And the soundtrack is by a gentleman by the name of Roke. I'm going to pronounce this last name possibly wrong, but Banos? Bano? And uh, I, again, doing some more research, found out he actually did one of the soundtracks to my favorite remakes, um, of the 2010s, Evil Dead. Um, I'm a big fan of the original Evil Dead with, like, Bruce Campbell and, uh, directed by Sam Raimi. It's a personal favorite. All three of those movies, I think, are just really well done. And, uh, once the, you know, the trend of remake, horror remakes happened in the late 2010s, uh, Evil Dead was one of my favorites. I thought it, it's pretty much the best one, in my opinion. And the soundtrack was really good. And, it's always something I you know, kind of referenced in the back but never really paid attention to. And so once I had saw his house and uh, listened to the music and then saw more of his, uh, his repertoire, um, I, was, I was so, you know, not surprised because I was like, of course, he's an incredible artist. I, I really enjoyed his previous work. But yeah, his house, uh, just the movie and the tension. And I can't say anything because there is a bit of a, a twist at the end. Um, so I don't want to say anything specifically about the movie, but it just is so powerful and so well done that I can't stop recommending it enough. I can't stop listening to it. It's been something that uh, is, again, carrying over into 2021 for me. I think I'm going to be uh, looking more uh, on the, uh, sorry, looking out for more of his work in the future. And then I would say, finally, instead of Animal Crossings, which I know was very popular this year, um, I just never got into it, unfortunately. I I played the mobile game, and I really, really tried, but it's not my jam. My two video game jams this year were, one was called Maneater, and it was about the shark game, where you essentially start as a baby bull shark, and you have to, like, level your way up to, like, a megalodon, and holy crap, did I have a lot of fun with that game. Uh, and the soundtrack was all very, like, southern. It was almost a bit of a parody soundtrack, because it all takes place in the south, in Florida. And so there's, like, obviously some southern culture in there, but they really rip it apart. Anyway, tons of fun. And then the other soundtrack that I, I've been seeking out a little bit more is the soundtrack for Fall Guys, uh, which is this online video game that kind of took off last year. Again, uh, I think Among Us uh, and Fall Guys were a lot of the popular multiplayer video game platforms that people gravitated to 
2020 because of the pandemic and because you really didn't have much to do. I think a lot of online interactions took precedent, and I was really happy to see these games kind of take off. And particularly, Fall Guys is a really funny game that you just, it's a battle royale. You start out of 60 beans, and everybody's running around, and it has a lot of Mario Kart. Like, specifically Mario Kart 64 vibes, and the soundtrack is very pop and colorful, and just lots of uh, repetitious things that don't get annoying. And I think we've talked about that, especially when it comes to video games. You you do have a certain amount of uh, limitation that you have to work with and that you can't create a 17-minute song for a campaign. You do have to create music that loops. And so a key, I think, to a really successful soundtrack is being able to create music that has repetitions that do not get on your nerves. <laughs> because that is really how you're going to sustain an audience. If you have to go on mute because of the music... That's a bad vibe for a video game. So I think Fall Guys to me has been not only something I play um, with my friends and just really laugh a lot while I'm playing the game, but the music uh, really carries it along. It really pumps you up and kind of allows you to get back into the game because that is a game that if you die, you just have to keep going into it. So I think similar to what you guys are talking about with Animal Crossings, you really have to have that repetition downright that if a person is going to play for two to three hours you want them to be engaged not irritated by what they're listening to If we were just to take a, a look at the items that we placed in our list, you would say that 2020 was kind of your standard good old, good old year. Like we, we found things that we really appreciated, we enjoyed, we consumed them, and we're able to talk about them here. I mean, you would think it's nothing out of the ordinary, but uh, obviously we all experienced a very, a very difficult year, um, more difficult for some than others. But um, it, I think what we've brought to the table here in our 2020 retrospective has been has been great. It's been really enjoyable to find the things that that we've enjoyed. And, and as you kind of mentioned there, Anthony, with with Jason's sort of um, take on Animal Crossing, Jason, I mean, it's not something that you would typically get into, uh, but you picked it up and enjoyed it. And out of that comes you and I getting together via our, our Twitter group, and we're able to then get into into this. So there are going to be things that we can take a look at 2020 as being hugely beneficial to our lives, but I, for one, am happy to say good riddance to the year and look to 2021 to just further those things and, and try to be be better in any way, shape, or form. But I thank you both for, for bringing, bringing up your list. So I think what we will do is we will stop here and drift into the year that we are currently in, the beauty that is 2021, and we're going to talk about what's really making us... Uh, anxious and giddy about the things that are going to be released this year that we're really looking forward to. So I think I'm going to kick it off first. And the first thing I want to talk about is something that I think a lot of us have been anticipating for quite some time since the first one came out a few years ago. And that is the sequel to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Of course, I am a child of the uh, of the 90s, 80s and 90s, so anything that has been very much steeped in 80s and 90s nostalgia has been right up my alley recently. Of course, Stranger Things has been huge for me. Um, lots of retro shows coming back and, and revamping. I know uh, Saved by the Bell has just come out with a uh, revamped, updated version of their TV show, so these things are really hitting home, and for uh, Wonder Woman 1984, the same thing is going to be hitting for me, I think, on all angles it is the first was amazing i think it is the the best dc uh superhero movie uh since the original batman series uh well i guess since the the nolan batman uh but now setting it in that sort of mall culture of 1984 from what we've seen in the trailers and while it was released on the 25th i haven't seen it yet and uh i'm just really looking forward to again another shot of 
nostalgia dopamine directly pumped into my my cerebellum there and getting ready to to experience this and of course in in keeping with the podcast theme the big thing that's really going to make that that work is the music selection which from the trailer alone has been fantastic and Hans Zimmer's uh, original score for the movie I think that's going to be completely stellar Hans Zimmer is a, a favorite of mine when it comes to the the scores that he has done specifically with with Christopher Nolan doing things like Interstellar and the the updated Batman uh, trilogy that he did um, he has just done some phenomenal work over the years and uh, I, I am absolutely more than looking forward to to experiencing uh, 1984 and I believe Anthony you are of the same mindset here Yep, I am so excited. And while I was really looking forward to seeing this in theaters last summer, um, I still haven't seen it either, but uh, hot damn, I'm going to be looking forward to really checking it out. And I want to see Sebastian Baum's uh, cover of Blue Monday that he released last year. And again, it was supposed to be building up to the movie's original, original release. Um, totally got me in the mood for it. So, uh, and Hans Zimmer's store of, score of the original one, uh, original first Wonder Woman was really well done. That theme was so iconic. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. Definitely. Jason, what about yourself? So probably a recurring theme for me is that, you know, I don't watch as many films as I probably should, or, well, maybe not should. Cause I mean, there's, it's not like there are rules about that, but I never did see uh, what the original Wonder Woman, well, the Gal Gadot uh, version of Wonder Woman. And so, you know, I don't, I guess my whole familiar familiarity with Wonder Woman comes from the series that used to run when I was a kid, but along with like the, the Batman version with Adam West and everything. Uh, so, you know, seeing Linda Carter on the screen was kind of like all I remember of that. And that was pretty awesome, but a long time ago, I guess if this particular film hits on those notes, I may have to try to push myself to renting it or sort of streaming it from whatever at home. I, I definitely need to make sure that I incorporate that into my uh, process this year, but um, I don't have a deep well of familiarity uh, with the sort of the rebooted uh, series. And I think that it should be pretty exciting to see. And I will add that to my list of things to do this year. And maybe to entice you even further into Wonder Woman 1984, I believe Linda Carter appears in some way, shape, or form into the the movie. So if we want to get those um, original Wonder Woman TV show vibes going in, that's uh, definitely hopefully going to draw you in. One of the other things I'm definitely looking forward to is uh, The French Dispatch, which is a Wes Anderson movie that is, of course, starring a lot of the same cast that he brings in in a lot of his other movies. Bill Murray, I believe Adrian Brody's in it. Some of the Wilson brothers are in it. Um, Willem Dafoe is in it. And uh, I mean, it's just a, a who's who cast and his his. Um, cinematography style is so unique everything very centered bright colors very much feels european in its sense and the soundtracks that he puts together uh, are unbelievable for me uh, what really got me into it uh, first was rushmore which is um, jason schwartzman um, in his private school and uh, it is just it's so good and the soundtrack mixes in this really interesting blend of like 60s 70s um, artists a you updated artists um ramones suddenly kick in every once in a while which is amazing and then kind of branching rushmore into royal tenenbaums uh, another soundtrack that just does it for me um again bringing in ramones uh bringing in this amazing instrumental cover of hey jude uh, that is it's so weird and uh, lots of like each um each verse chorus or each verse of Hey Jude in the cover is done in almost like this different style with a different set of instruments until it culminates in the, the, the classic sort of um, uh, chorus and, and all the individuals coming in singing Hey Jude. It's, it's so well done. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does now with the French Dispatch and, and how he's going to, to put that together and just to see what songs he selects. Je me suis assis 
Um, the final thing is uh, Soul by uh, Pixar. Soul is one of their upcoming, obviously, um, animated movies. But the one thing that really gets me and what I've kind of seen in regards to the research that I was doing for, for this episode of the podcast is I... I don't know if it's fully confirmed or if I'm just not believing this or not seeing it right, but I believe the the score is going to be written by Trent Reznor and of Nine Inch Nails fame. And of course, what I know of him outside of Nine Inch Nails, of which I was a, a fan of back in the back in my high school days, is that he did the the score for the social network. And the social network score is so moody and so edgy. And there's this this constant sort of feeling of awkwardness that goes throughout. Um I'm really interested to see how he takes his his style of score. Um he also did the uh the um reboot of the uh, girl with a dragon tattoo and again that's another one of those really awkward sexually charged thrillers uh, really uncomfortable feeling um from the the listener perspective so what is he going to be doing with a a pixar movie about i believe it's about a jazz trumpeter who dies and his soul kind of gets lost in limbo and it's uh, jamie fox tina fey like and it's a pixar movie i mean you think pixar you think yes emotional and you think uh heartfelt but you also think really light and 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 uh, funny and uh with trent reznor doing the score i'm really interested to see exactly what he brings to to that and to see if it's if it really excels with what what he typically does or if uh if i'm way off base and maybe it it just doesn't doesn't hit with what i i typically know of him interested to see exactly what's going to come out from from this and of course it's classic pixar i'm really hoping for another another great bout of laughs but obviously the the tears are going to be flowing um who knows how quickly i mean with up it was like instantaneous and with inside out it was later a little bit later on and of course it was in relation to a, a fictional clown character so who knows what soul's going to be doing to me but i'm really looking forward to that this year and uh, i'm really hoping for for really great things anthony what about yourself? What's on your list for uh, your most anticipated things of uh, 2021? Well, to jump off that point um, of Soul and Trent Reznor, um, which I did look it up while you were talking, and he and uh, Atticus Ross totally do the music for Soul. Um, and they've kind of become their own little hot duo right now in the soundtrack scene, so I'm not surprised, but uh, having not seen Soul yet either, uh, I'm really excited to see that. Uh, but to jump off that uh, point, uh, I am looking forward to Disney's Jungle Cruise for the same reason that, if my internet research is correct, I believe Metallica is going to be constructing the theme song for that movie. And Disney's Jungle Cruise is one of those... I remember going on that uh, ride when I, when I was a kid and I went to Disney World. Um, and it was always a fascination for me. I love animals and the way they did it with the animatronics is really good. And I'm actually really looking forward to the movie uh, on its own. And so when I heard Metallica was going to be doing the theme song, I was like, that doesn't sound right, but it does. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that, even if... Uh, it debuts in a streaming uh, platform this year. I'm really still looking forward to it. The other reason why I'm looking forward to it is James Newton Howard. Um, he is like one of those unsung soundtrack heroes for me. Like every time I look at his his uh, his work, his list of work, I'm always like, oh man, he did so many of those movies in the 90s that I watched but didn't care about. I actually am really interested in his two movies this year, Disney's Jungle Cruise, and the other, uh, I don't know if it's a Pixar movie or if it's just a Disney animation movie, but it's called Raya and the Last Dragon, and I'm really looking forward to that. It was, it's been debuted a while, and they've changed concept design, designs, but the movie's finally being released this year, and um, yeah, I think uh, his soundtrack for that and the movie are going to be quite uh, exciting, so they're definitely on my radar. The other one that's really on my radar right now is Dune. I love Denny Villeneuve 
He is from Quebec, so uh, I've watched several of his other movies. Um, and he did a lot of collaborations with this uh, this artist named Johan Johannesson. And uh, unfortunately, Johan passed away a couple years ago, and it uh, it was devastating. I really, really liked Johan. He had some incredible... He did the Arrival soundtrack. He did um, the... Uh, um, oh, Cesario. This another Denny Villeneuve. Anyway, uh, so Denny Villeneuve has now like jumped up in the blockbuster department, and uh, he's going to be doing the new Dune. So I'm really excited to see what he does with that. Um, and Hans Zimmer is going to be doing the soundtrack for that. Um, and their last collaboration was Blade Runner 2049. Which I haven't listened to yet because, again, internet rumor is that Johan Johansson recorded a soundtrack for that movie, um, but it wasn't released, uh, and it's never been released, so I'm a little bit, uh, it's a kind of a gold nugget for me, like I want to listen to that soundtrack so bad. Anyway, sidetracks, but uh, I'm going to be interested to see what Hans Zimmer does with Dune. The The Blade Runner 2049 revelation is very interesting because... Yeah, I've liked a lot of what Johan Johansson has done, and to I really enjoyed the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack, but to hear his version would be fantastic. I know, and it's almost one of those reasons why I don't want to listen to Hans Zimmer's, because I have such a, a personal expectation to listen to Johan's. That it's almost, I'm going to get over it one day. I'm a very stubborn person sometimes, but that is one of those things where I'm like, I got to get my, I got to get my hands on that. It's, it's going to be one of those, um, rare finds that's probably passed around the internet in small circles. And I just have to wait till my time to find the discovery of it on the internet. But until then, bring on Hans Zimmer's Dune. This, this seems to be a theme with Dune as well. I mean, if we think about uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, which was kind of an original concept of how Dune was going to be um, adapted for film. I mean, it's kind of that thing where it was all fleshed out. There was a reality for it and then rejected for some odd reason. But that's very interesting about the Johan Johansson score. Very intriguing. You have my, my intrigue peaked. So thank you very much for that, Anthony. Jason. How about yourself? How does your 2021 look and what are you anticipating? So there are a handful of things uh, that I'm actually pretty excited to uh, see. Probably first on that list uh, is coming to America too. The fact that, I mean, I think for years, maybe, I don't know if it's been like a full decade, but there have been like rumors of a new coming to America forever, um, what feels like forever. And then to actually see that that's happening, you know, like, 30 some years later, whatever, is just super exciting to me. I, The soundtrack for the original was a product of the time. I mean, you know, it had like folks like JJ Fad and like the system doing the coming to America theme. I'd really like to see how they incorporate music in it now with, you know, so much time having passed um, and, you know, what's kind of current now. But that is, that film and that soundtrack are both things that I'm I'm definitely excited to see and hear uh, this year. Next on the list is the the fourth version of the Matrix. You know, I was definitely I watched the previous three. I didn't necessarily pay as much attention to the music at the time. But, you know, I, that whole electronica sort of industrial sound that the, those films had, I would imagine will carry over into the, uh, the, this new incarnation of The Matrix. And I'm definitely here for that. The next thing uh, that I'm excited about, uh, well, sort of excited about, because, I mean, Daniel Craig isn't exactly my favorite James Bond. Hopefully that isn't too controversial to say. But No Time to Die, uh, which... I did a little bit of research uh, before we uh, did this recording is also uh, a Hans uh, Zimmer score as well. So, you know, 
it's amazing how he's sort of threaded through so many different things. But, you know, seeing how, hearing the, the song from Billie Eilish and which I'll be honest, also isn't really my favorite Bond theme, but I get what, where she was going with it. Sort of like a kind of delicate sound, sort of, uh, I mean, there's not like a lot of drama with uh, that song that she recorded for No Time to Die, which has the same name, but it is Daniel Craig's uh, swan song. And as such, I'm excited to sort of hear and see uh, how that plays out. The final thing I think, um, well, actually, there are a couple more things that I'm excited about. I'm excited about uh, Steven Spielberg's remake of A West Side Story. That was, a, you know, again, something that I saw as a kid that I actually, like, I'm not a huge musicals person, but I did really appreciate that one. And sort of hearing how all that music is uh, updated to the now um, will be exciting. And then just seeing who takes on the roles that are sort of iconic in that film and seeing that like Rita Moreno is coming back uh, in a like, I, for, I can't remember what role she's actually playing, but she has one in this uh, film. So seeing that again is gonna be exciting. And of course, hearing all that music that goes with it uh, is going to be awesome. The very last thing that I think I'm kind of excited about, or well, I would say semi pretty excited about, uh, especially if the rumors are pretty true, which I think they are at this point, is there is a planned uh, remake of Diamond and Pearl uh, for Pokemon uh, for the Switch. And, you know, I, I guess I would have to say that the fourth generation of Pokemon I've been playing since sort of the red, blue, yellow days is probably my favorite series, especially Platinum. So hearing, you know, I mean, seeing it updated for the Switch is going to be pretty awesome. But hearing all the music, which, again, I, I before we sort of started uh, talking and uh, doing these recordings, I wasn't as tuned into the music, but I will say that I did find the the, the music for Diamond, uh, Pearl, and Platinum to be like really just pleasant. And I'd love to see how that's sort of updated for the current technology. So those are all things for this year that I think I'm really looking forward to. And, you know, I just hope that 2021 is a different enough from the year we left behind that I can fully enjoy them all. So I'm, I'm hoping that when we do our 2021 retrospective and look towards 2022, we can look back and you can talk about hopefully the releases of those nostalgic sort of most enjoyed Pokemon games and how, how great and stellar they were. I really hope for that for considering what we just went through with 2020, a little bit of hope in that regard would be fantastic for, for each and every one of us. Um, and in regards to, to your bond uh, comments, I'm yeah, the, the theme song has already been confirmed like Billie Eilish and, and doing that. And I believe it's, uh, I haven't listened to it yet. And I, I know it was released a while ago now, but it's, it's interesting because bond has a pretty specific set of notes that it hits. It has that classic theme. It has kind of that that same sort of spy feel to it because it has to. It, Bond is an institution, not only here, but but in the UK where obviously things are originated with, uh, with Ian Fleming and, and writing and MI6 and all that. So yes, uh, it'll be interesting to see what what Zimmer has to do with that, and will they do anything different for for Craig Glass one? And I don't believe it's it's controversial for you to say that um, Craig has been all right. I think different bonds for different eras, and considering that this like with Daniel kind of confirming that he was coming back at a very late stage of production here, and with all of the sort of build up to see if they were going to do something different with Bond, maybe similar to what. They 
they did with Doctor Who, where they made the Doctor uh, a woman moving forward, and how there's lots of this sort of uh, changes to the classic identities of these characters. Like, who knows what they will do with Bond moving forward? Maybe it is time for a female Bond. Uh, maybe it's time for for non-binary Bond, or just no association whatsoever with with any of these sort of predetermined stereotypes in regards to who James Bond is or who Agent Bond is. It'll be really interesting to to see what happens in that regard. Uh, I'm just going to say that ever since Hans Zimmer played Coachella, he's totes gone mainstream. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, mercy. So good. But so seriously, Hans Zimmer, like, uh, popped up on all three of our lists for 2021. So I am very much looking forward to our 2021 recap at the end of this year. Uh, And to come back to these and be like, which ones were like, which ones were hot and which ones were not. We'll just do a Zimmer cast. We'll just do one episode completely dedicated to all of the Hans Zimmer because he seems like a very busy composer this year and in previous years and probably in subsequent years. So we'll just have to really narrow that in. Well, thank you both for sharing the retrospective look back at 2020 and what we are anticipating now that we are finally into 2021. I hope you both continue to be healthy and safe as we continue to deal with this pandemic, but I know that there's a lot on the horizon for us. There's a lot more episodes for us to record, and I just appreciate what uh, both of you have brought to the table. Um, And for our listeners, again, we are always appreciative of you for listening, for subscribing, for rating and reviewing us as highly as you do, for sharing uh, our episodes and telling your friends uh, to listen to us, whether they are diehard in the wool soundtrack and score fans, or if they are new to the subject, new to the genres, and just enjoy a good listen from three very well-spoken podcast hosts, if I do say so myself. Go ahead and find us on Twitter at EvenTheScorePod or you can reach out to us via our Google account, our Gmail account EvenTheScorePodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and drop us a line. If you have some ideas for future episodes We'd be more than, more than happy to hear from you about what you may have for us. When it comes to those subscriptions, those uh, ratings and reviews, we want to hear from you via any of your podcatcher apps of choice, whether you find us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. If you've just subscribed to our RSS feeds, go ahead and let us know how you feel about the show. Ideally, you're giving us five-star ratings. We greatly appreciate it. It's the only way that we're going to build our brand and make sure that we get this podcast out to, to more and more listeners. So I think without further ado, I will just say thank you again to Jason and Anthony for joining me once again today. Thank you. And thanks uh, again, Don. Thanks, Anthony. This is a great conversation. I'm looking forward to some of the other topics we have planned for the rest of the year. And uh, listening audience, I hope you're excited about that too. And thank you to all of our listeners. And until next time, thank you very much for listening to the Even the Score podcast. <laughs>